Man, I'm ready to preach the word. Man, I hope that you are ready to hear it. Y'all ready to receive the word today? Oh, I need some help today. Are y'all ready to receive the word today? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. It's a new year, and we are not going to skip the process. That's the title of the message today. Don't skip the process. I need somebody to say, don't skip skip. the process. Don't skip it. Don't do it. You can't do it. We ain't going to skip anything. Why? Because the process is important. There is power in the process. And uh, today we're starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it certainly is a process. If you've ever done it before, you know it is not uh, something that you just do, uh, but it's something that uh, really will transform you if you will allow God uh, to, to transform you in that way. And so I want to go to the book of Esther. Uh, there's a fast actually in the book of Esther, and we'll get to that point. But man, if you never read the book of Esther before, it is so powerful. It's not very long. It's an easy book to get through. It's a narrative. There's a story. It's a powerful story of, uh, of this young Jewish woman that uh, does something incredible while the Jews are in exile. And so it actually picks up at the beginning of the book of Esther with the Jews in the middle of this captivity in Persia. And King Xerxes throws a huge feast that lasts 180 days. Now that is a party. Somebody say, amen. <laughs> he invites all the kingdom's nobles and the generals of his army, all the governors, and, and eventually just kind of all the men of the city, invites them to kind of hang out in the courtyard of, of the palace. And, and they're partying. They're having a good time. And King Xerxes is drunk, okay? Like, he is gone. He is just completely gone. And, uh, and so he sends his servants to ask his wife, Queen Vashti, to come and appear before him. All right, and, and, and not just to appear before him, but he, he's trying to show her off, okay? Like, he wants her to be the trophy wife. It says in the Bible that she was very attractive, very good looking. And so he just wants to bring her in front of all the dudes, all of his buddies, and be like, yo, check out how hot my wife is. You know, that's literally what he's trying to do. And so Queen Vashti is throwing a party for the women, and we don't know exactly why she does this, but she refuses to show. She refuses to show up. And all the self-respecting women in here said, amen. Come on now, you know. Uh Uh-uh, I ain't going to do that for you, king. Mm -mm, I don't care that you're the king, you know. And so she refuses to show up, and uh, the king gets extremely angry. He's filled with rage and, you know, because he asked her to show up and, and to be a part of this party with all of his buddies. And then his wife is basically just disrespecting him in front of all of the men and all these nobles and generals. And his army is disrespectful, you know, to him. And, and so uh, what he does is, is he throws her out <laughs> and he says, I'm done with you and I need a new queen. I need somebody else. And so he gathers the most beautiful women in all of the region and goes through this really long process of, of trying to choose who his next wife is going to be. And then he chooses Esther, who is a Jew in this land of Persia, in exile. But he doesn't know that she's a Jew. He doesn't know. He just knows that she's good looking, right? He don't care who she is. Like, he don't care where she comes from. All he knows is that he likes her a whole lot and eventually falls in love with her. And, and, uh, and they have this great relationship. And he, you know, she finds favor with the king. And so she's this foreigner that becomes the queen of, of a foreign land. And Mordecai is Esther's cousin, and Mordecai is an awesome guy. Why? Because he took Esther in. Both of her parents had died, so she's an orphan, and Mordecai is her cousin. He takes her in and raises her as 
his own. And every single day that she's in the palace, it says that Mordecai would go to the king's gate and he would go and he would send messages back and forth with Esther. He's playing like telephone with her, with these, mes- uh, these servants sending messages back and forth. And isn't that amazing? Isn't such a good guy? Not only does he take her in as his own when her parents die, she's an orphan, but he gives everything he can to her and helps her to have a good life. But then he's checking on her every single day. That is a good man, ladies. Say amen. Come on, like, you need a good man to go and check on you every day. You know what I'm saying? My wife over here is like, "Mm, you don't check on me every day, you know? So it's all good, baby. Okay, we'll, we'll work through that. Okay, come on now. So here's the deal. Mordecai, awesome dude, okay? Great man. And so during one of these times, he's at the king's gate. He's hanging out, trying to get a message to Esther. Runs into this dude named Haman. Haman not so much of a good guy, not like Mordecai at all, okay? Haman wanted Mordecai to bow to him because he had just been promoted to this high position in the palace. He's basically second in command, kind of like the prime minister, if you will, in this region. And so he wants Mordecai to bow to him. And Mordecai says, I'm not doing that. I only bow to one person, and that is God. I'm not bowing to you at all. Haman doesn't like that. Uh-uh. And so he... It says in the Bible that he was filled with rage and filled with fury. And he finds out that Mordecai is a Jew and realizes that there's a, you know, there's a bunch of Jews that live in this region and, and they all would do the same thing to him. They would all only bow to their one true God. and They're not gonna bow to the king. They're not gonna bow to Haman. And so this man Haman comes up with an evil plan to not just punish Mordecai, but now he's mad at all the Jews and wants to exterminate every single one of them that live in the region. And so Mordecai eventually learns of Haman's plot and sends some more messages back and forth to Esther to see if she can finally, uh, to see if she can help, see if she can do something about it. She's the queen now. And it finally comes to one message that many of you might know this passage of scripture, especially the last line of it. And uh, you might even be able to quote it back to me. So I'm gonna read this to you. This is Mordecai with a message to Esther. 414, it says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Somebody say, for such a time as this. That's an amazing, amazing line. Maybe you've come into this position for such a time as this. Mordecai believed that God had given her the position for a purpose. That she wasn't just the queen for for no reason, but that God and his divine will and his sovereignty maybe knew that this was gonna happen. Maybe knew that Haman was gonna eventually turn against the Jews and have this plot against them. And, And so Mordecai believes, he's like, well, God obviously has placed you here in this position for a purpose and for a reason And it's to fill your destiny and to help the Jewish people. And now here's the deal. Uh, He knew that deliverance was going to come from somewhere. It says deliverance will come from somewhere. I believe it will. But here's the deal. God had promised them in the past that they would be delivered. So Mordecai knows that God makes good on his promises. He knows. But he says, you know what? Why not you? Why not you be the one to do it? Why not you be the person to to bring deliverance to God's people? And here's the deal. Esther could have said, but I, you know, I'm an orphan. (laughs) Like, I grew up in in humble beginnings and, you know, I I don't even have my parents. And 
I'm an egg, I'm a Jew. I, I'm not even from here, you know? And, and I've been put in this position of authority and, and maybe I, I don't really know if I have what it takes to do this. And how many of you have thought something like that before? I don't know if you have, but I know I certainly have. I'm not prepared enough. You're going into a new year and, and you're trying to make your plans and you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do this year and, and you're looking back at 2023 and you're looking ahead at 2024 and you're just kind of like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I measure up or I don't know if I can do this or what God has for me this next year. I'm not sure this is gonna work. I don't know. Or maybe you might be looking at your past and say, hey, I have a past and, and I don't know how God's gonna be able to use me in the future. Because of my baggage, I got some back. Maybe it's not even in the past. Maybe you're living in it right now. And you got some stuff that you're dealing with. You're like, how is God gonna use me to, to make a difference in somebody else's life, to make a difference in my community, to make a difference in my family? And, and he says, if you stay quiet, God will use somebody else. He's gonna accomplish his purposes through somebody. But then he's like, well, why, but why not you? Let me encourage you with this today. I don't want somebody else to do the things that God wants to do. I want to be a part of it. <laughs> like, I want to be the answer to the, to the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. I want God, like Isaiah said, here am I, God, send me. Like, I want to be the one to do something. I want to be the one to change my workplace. I want to be a light to my coworkers and, and see some of them get saved and put their trust and faith in Jesus, man. I want to be the one in my family to make a difference in my kids' lives, in my parents' lives, those people that are in your family that maybe don't follow Jesus yet. Why not you? Why not let God use you to be a part of the solution and to help them by the way that you live your life and the things that you say and the encouraging words that you give them to hopefully share the hope in Jesus Christ that you have with them? Why not you? And so this is what he's saying, is that you have been positioned for a purpose, and every single one of you, I'm gonna encourage you today that no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you got going on, no matter what kind of past you have, you have been positioned for a purpose. He wants to use you right where you're at and he's gonna take you to somewhere even better to make a difference in your family, in your workplace, in your church and in the world. And if you believe that, can you just give a big hearty amen today? Come on, there's people in your life that God wants to use to influence through your life. There's people in your life, I'm gonna say it again, that God wants to influence through your life. He wants to use your life for something greater than what you could use on your own. And, and you just have to be willing to let God move you into that position. That's the thing. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Esther might not have been comfortable being the queen, you know? She didn't wanna get taken into the palace. She was just living her life, doing her thing. And yet God had positioned her in a different place. It was probably very uncomfortable. Sometimes you might not understand, but no matter your past, no matter where you're at today, I believe you've been positioned for purpose. And so let's keep reading Esther 4, 15 through 16. It says, Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Now, Esther calls all of the Jews to fast for her. I find that interesting. There's not a whole lot of info about this. And I thought there, there might be, to be honest, but I had to look it up, but this is the only time in scripture where someone asks other people to fast for them. How many of you ever asked somebody to pray for you before? You know, just like, hey, will you pray for me? I got a sickness or something going on in my life or a decision I have to make. I'm not really sure what's going on. And you start the Facebook prayer chain, you know what I mean? Like all, like, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, you say, hey, can you guys pray for me? Or, or maybe it's a personal kind of one-on-one conversation. You text somebody, call somebody, hey, I just need some prayer. And this is basically what Esther's doing right here. 
She's saying, hey, will you guys pray for me? Because she's about to have to go before the king. And, and this is actually against the law at the time. You weren't allowed to do that. And so she's like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I'm going to have to go before the king and, and, and try to reveal this plot to that uh, that Haman has to destroy all the Jews. And, and I need some prayer because this might not go well for me. Will you pray for me? Will you fast for me? And we're about to start this fast. Uh, today's the first day of it. And I'm excited, guys. I really am. And the reason why fasting is so, so important is because it connects you with the Father in a way that is just so uh, uh, supernaturally powerful. I can't even explain it. It's incredible. And the problem is, is that many times fasts are all about me. And, and it makes sense. We're, it's the beginning of a year. We're doing this whole new year, new me thing, you know, like every year we do. And to be honest, I did not really want to preach that kind of a message today. It's the first Sunday of a new year. It would be the most standard possible thing for me to do. You know what I mean? Like new year, new you. And, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. I get that there's a reason why all the people get the Planet Fitness, you know, like uh, memberships in January and all the people that have been there from January to December, the ones that were there in December are there like, okay, seriously, like you're going to be gone in three months, you know, like I already know. And I get that. We're trying to better ourselves and that's great. But here's the deal. Who are you fasting for that is not you? (laughs) They were fasting for Esther. They weren't even fasting for themselves. They were in a sense, but they were fasting for Esther. An entire group of people. We don't know how many there were. Tens of thousands for sure. Hundreds of thousands. We don't know exactly the number. But the word gets out and they're all fasting for Esther. Fasting a lot of times is is about me, me, me. I'm looking for a revelation. I'm looking for a fresh word from God. I need new direction. Well, what about fasting for your kids? What about for your son or daughter? God, I'm, I'm fasting right now because... My son needs some direction. My son needs a fresh revelation of your presence, God. He needs some direction, a revelation, a fresh word from you. I'm not even fasting for me, but I'm fasting for somebody else. What about fasting for your workplace? Fasting for your church? There's so many different ways that you could fast. God, would you help them as you are also helping me? In Esther 4.16, it says, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. This is Esther talking. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. These people did not eat or drink for three days, y'all. For three days. That is difficult. I don't care who you are. Maybe you've done that before, but that is a tough fast. These people did not eat or drink for three days. But church people, oh, Lord Jesus. Church people will get mad if the pastor preaches too long and makes you late for lunch. You know what I'm talking about? Like, It's like, I'm 30 minutes late. And what is this guy doing? Will he stop talking already? I got to get to the restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, but these people fasted for three days. Have you ever fasted for your pastor before? If not, please do. I need it. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, my goodness. Have you ever fasted for your church before? Or fasted for other people? Have you ever prayed and fasted just so fervently for somebody else? That's a question I want to ask you today. And maybe... um, for those that don't know Jesus, you ever fasted for people in our community that, that haven't found the hope and life that we have in Jesus yet? I encourage you, maybe you make that a part of your prayer focuses over the next three weeks. Make that a part of your fast over the next 21 days. The, the, the fast isn't just about me, but it's a lot more about we collectively. And it's also about them, amen? 
It's about them. They knew that if Esther didn't succeed, that they would be killed. So it's also, it is kind of about us in a sense, right? When they're fasting, they're like, okay, we really need Esther to succeed because if she succeeds, then we don't die, all right? If she doesn't succeed, we're all dead, okay? So it is kind of about us in a sense, but really we're, we're fasting for her as well. But here's the deal. They fasted out of desperation. They had no other option. This is what Esther asked them to do. They, they knew that they needed God to move. They needed God to move. They didn't just want, they had to have an intervention from God. He had to do something or else all hope was gonna be lost. They fasted because they were desperate for a move of God. And I wanna ask you, when's the last time that you were desperate for God to move in your life? When you fast, when you pray, especially over the next 21 days, man, I need you to get desperate. I need you to have a level of expectation that is above anything you've ever had before. Listen, God, praying prayers like, God, I don't wanna go another day. I don't wanna go into this new year without you leading me. I don't wanna go into 2024 without your presence guiding me and your spirit leading me and me being able to hear your voice. God, I need you to speak to me. I wanna do what you want me to do, not what I wanna do. And so where's your level of expectation at? Because here's the deal, I get fasting, especially for people that have never done it before, you're like, what's the significance of this? What's the purpose of this? Like, we're taking away, you know, food, and then we're replacing it with prayer, but like, what's the power in this? And, and maybe you don't really have a level of expectation that anything's going to happen, or that there's anything serious about it. But then also, there's the other side, people that have been in the church world for a very long time, and you know, every single January, what's going to happen? 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're going to do it every single year. And it kind of becomes so comfortable for you that you don't even really have a level of expectation that God's even going to move. Because you're not taking it so seriously anymore. Because like, yeah, that's just what we do every single year. I've been doing it for 20 years now, you know. So I don't know where you're at on that scale. But what I do know for sure is that you will only get out of it what you put into it. Your level of expectation has to match your level of what you want to see God to do in your life over the next three weeks. If you go into the fast flippantly without any level of expectation, don't expect to see God move in your life. It ain't going to happen. But if you take the fast seriously and you go into it with high expectations, seeking after God, I believe that you'll see a mighty move of God in your life. You believe that? I hope that you do. And I'll prove it to you right now because of Hebrews eleven six. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. But then here it is, guys, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is a promise for you and for me. This isn't just something that you say, hey, he might reward. No, 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 it says you have to believe that God will reward those who earnestly seek him. Do you believe that today? That God will reward you when you fast and when you pray and when you seek after the face of God, when you seek after direction from God. Those people that go after God with everything that they have. I believe God's looking for a people that want more than the status quo for 2024. Like that's not enough. I need God's presence in my life. I wanna grow in my faith. I wanna hear the voice of God. I wanna live more like Jesus. I'm earnestly seeking you today, God. And I believe that God is looking for a group of people that will just get desperate just a group of people that would get on their face in prayer. A group of people that's gonna say, you know what, God, I'm gonna go after you for these next three weeks with absolutely everything I have, with desperation, with expectation, 
believing that you want to do something in my life, not just for me, but for my family, for my church, and for my community. I want to be sustained by the Spirit of God and not just the food that I eat. That's the whole point of a fast. And Jesus, when he was being tempted by the devil, he said, man shall not live on what? Bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live on bread alone. And we all need bread to live. Jesus is making this point. He's like, hey, I understand that we have to eat in order to live. I get that. But we shouldn't live on bread alone. We gotta live off of everything that comes out of the mouth of God. I'm, I'm living off of the word of God. I'm living off of the rhema word of God, which means the spoken word, the revelation that God gives me. And thank God for a good meal. But far be it from me to live off of some Olive Garden breadsticks, as good as they are. They're delicious. Come on, somebody say amen. You know what I mean? Like, they're delicious. But I need the bread of life, y'all. Like, I need Jesus, okay? He is the one that sustains me. He is the one that leads me and guides me by his spirit. He said, whoever comes to me will never be what? Hungry or thirsty. If you come to Jesus, you will never be hungry or thirsty. I need Jesus. I need him to speak to me. And I can't live this life without him. But here is the problem. Many times, believers want to skip the process and go straight to the promise. (laughs) They want to skip the process, skip the hard stuff, and go straight to the thing that God already promised me. That's what we want to do. Like, God, can't you just tell me what to do? Like, do we have to do all this prayer and fasting business, you know? Do we got to deal with this whole three weeks of that? Can't, can't I just ask and receive? That's what the Bible says, right? God, ask and you shall receive. And I'm asking for a new car. You know what I mean? Like, like no, that's not how this works, okay? A lot of us want the ask and you shall receive, but we don't want to earnestly seek him, <laughs> Guys, it's earnestly seek him. And then as you are earnestly seeking God and his will for your life, you will know then the right things to ask for. And then you will receive the things that God has for you. You gotta put it in the right context. Does that make sense? We can't just be asking, believing we're gonna receive when we're not earnestly seeking God. I'm not gonna come into church on a Sunday morning and, and do the whole church game in 2024. I'm not just gonna live my life for Jesus on Sundays and then for the next six days not live my life for Jesus and then expect that I'm gonna receive stuff from God all throughout the week. Come on, guys. That's not what this relationship with God is all about. What kind of relationship is that? It's not. I don't wanna play the game. And this is what God is looking for. I believe over the next 21 days, he's looking for focused prayer, focused direction, looking for a revelation, earnestly seeking after the Father's will for our lives, for 2024. And here's the deal. It reminds me a lot of Bible college. I'll be honest with you. A lot of people at Bible college wanna skip the process and go straight to the promise. Specifically, I'm talking about freshman girls at Bible college, okay? There's a thing that they say, it's called ring by spring, all right? Maybe you've never heard this, maybe you have. Uh, Whether you went to state school or Bible, especially at Bible college, okay, marriage is just like revered, okay? If you're not married by 22, like there's something wrong with you, okay? You know, like it's crazy, you know? And so the the freshman girls will come in and be like, I just am here to get my pastor, man, you know? And I just cannot wait. I, I got one year to find him, to capture him, and to get that diamond ring, you know? Like that is legitimately how some of them, you know, all that stuff about like getting to know each other and the process of all that, don't need it. You know, I don't want to do that. You know, like the, the, the hard stuff of, of, of getting to know each other and building trust and learning to sacrifice for one another. 
nah, just give me the ring. You know what I mean? That's all I need. Like, I just want to get married as fast as I can. And that's crazy. They just want to go straight to the marriage vows. They're skipping the process and going straight to the promise, going straight to the vows. And here's the problem. Esther 4.16 says, when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She says, when it is done, then I will go. When I've gone through the process, then I will go. When I have prayed and fasted, then I will go before the king. Can I encourage you? Don't get ahead of God. Don't try to go straight to the promise without going through the process. And I, it's not like that prayer and fasting, sometimes people systematize it and they make it a formula. And it's like, if I pray and I fast for 21 days, then God's just gonna download onto my iPad his plans for me over the next year. Like, no, that's not how this works. It's not like God's not your magic genie, okay, up in heaven. That's not how this works. But there is the idea that it is focused prayer. It's a relationship, guys. And if we can just really, really lock in for the next three weeks and say, you know what, corporately as a church, individually as a family, and then me by myself, I am choosing for the next 21 days, for the next three weeks, to go after God and to earnestly seek him. I believe that God will do something in your life. Why? Because we know the promises of God is that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's why. It's not a formula. It's, not, it's just a process that we have to go through. Don't get ahead of God. When we built this warehouse, uh, we built it out. Um, we didn't build the warehouse, but we built it out to become a church. We had to submit plans to the city. Um, but we didn't put the plans together. I did not. You certainly do not want me putting <laughs> architectural plans together. No, the architect did that. I didn't do that. And you might have some great plans for 2024. Uh, you might have some amazing things that you want to accomplish, things that you feel like that God wants you to do in 2024. But let me ask you, have you submitted your plans to the architect yet? <laughs> have you submitted your plans to the great builder to the creator of the universe, to the one that made every single thing that we know and love, to the God that made you and made me. Have you submitted your plans to him? Because the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and he's a much better builder than you or I. Have you submitted your plans to him or are you just gonna try to build this life by yourself? You're just gonna start throwing up some two by fours and pray for the best, you know, like what? That would have been a terrible idea if we tried to do that here. You know, people from these other warehouses, there's a, a glass company that's right across. They own, or they lease these two over here. And uh, there's a few other great businesses down here. And sometimes they'll come in and, and they'll want to just, you know, meet us and hang out or whatever. And the first time, it's always funny, the first time that they come in and they look and see this place, they're like, oh, wow, this is incredible. Like, this is not a warehouse. This is a church. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we were going for. So... <laughs> if it looked like a warehouse still, that would probably be an issue. But, you know, their buildings look like warehouses. Maybe they have an office or two or, you know, a little bit of AC stuff kind of in the ceiling, whatever it might be. But, but theirs still looks like a warehouse. Ours looks like a church. It does. And that's because we submitted the plans to the city. The architect drew it up and then we executed on those plans. And this fast just represents us submitting our plans to God. And not in the way of submitting like we're submitting to the city. No, no, no. I'm not saying like we're submitting our plans to God. No, it's a different kind of submission, guys. 
I'm talking about, I have my plans, but I'm submitting all of it to you. Like whatever you want to do with them is great. In fact, something isn't up to code, please God, scratch it and give me something better. If I I did something wrong here, if this isn't going to work, would you please change it? Like, I trust you. You're the architect. You're the chief cornerstone, Jesus. You are good to build my life on. We say, I will build my life. We sing that song sometimes. I build my life on Jesus. I trust your plans over mine. And so this is your chance, guys, to get an expert opinion on 2024 for your life. And the cost is simply prayer and fasting. We paid a lot of money to build this warehouse out. But for you, if you want an expert opinion from the great architect on your life for this upcoming year, the cost is prayer and fasting. The cost is focused dedication to God, earnestly seeking after him, humbling yourself enough to say, man, my plans are not gonna be as good as yours. Man, we have tried to live our lives on our own. How did that work out for you? Didn't work so well. It didn't work for me. And so I'd much rather have God take a look at those plans and and get a change order in if he needs to, guys. So creating and crafting plans for this place was a process. There were so many back and forth meetings and things with the engineers and architects, but once it was done, there's this beautiful set of plans, guys. Oh, it was great. We put them right out there in the lobby. Beautiful set of plans. And for the next eight months, we worked the plan. We worked the plan. And it slowly started to come together. But what if Esther had tried to skip the process What if she tried to just go straight to the promise? She was like, you know what, this whole prayer and fasting thing, you know, we don't gotta do that, guys. I'm just gonna go straight to the king and see what he says. She would have been killed. Fully believe that, it was against the law. You weren't allowed to approach the king. I fully believe that she would have been killed. And Esther knew better than to enter the presence of the king flippantly. She knew better than that. So I want to encourage you with this thought today. Before you enter the throne room, enter the prayer closet first. Before you go to God and start asking for things, guys, let's get in the prayer closet. If you don't know what that means, let me read the passage to you real quick. It's Matthew 6, 5 through 6. Uh, The second half of the verse will be up on the screen. Jesus is talking, he says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. My favorite place to pray, to be completely honest, is just my office, my home office at at our house. I'll just go in there, shut the door, throw on worship music as loud as I possibly can until Lindsay comes and tells me to turn it down because it's so loud. I will just jam in there with some worship music and I will get on my knees sometimes and I will pray to God for my children, for my wife, for you, for our church family, for our community, for people that don't know God yet, for what is coming next. I have some big decisions that I gotta make. God, I'm asking if you would lead me and guide me in this. I don't really know what to do here. And I'll just get by myself and pray. Because before I submit my plans, I will submit to prayer first. Before I ask from God, I will give praise to God. Amen? Don't skip the process. Fasting and prayer is the process that reveals the plans. 
I'm gonna say that again, I need you to hear me today. Fasting and prayer is the process that reveals the plants. If you want a revelation from God, the first thing you need to do is read the word of God because that is the revelation of God right there. It's in print. God's word is literally God's words. It's already there for you. But then sometimes you just need a word for you from God, right? You also need that kind of a word too. It's a rhema word. So if you want a revelation from God, read the word, fast, pray, get alone with him, earnestly seek after God and the king will welcome you into his presence. So after this fast that Esther does, all the people, they're like, okay, Esther eventually goes before the king. This thing that she's not supposed to do, she could be killed for it. And yet the king welcomes her into his presence. She eventually reveals Haman's evil plan to kill all the Jews. And so the king gets very upset. He learns that, that Esther is a Jew and this man Mordecai and, and this evil plan. And, and so the king has Haman killed. Mordecai is honored. And Esther gains even more favor with the king. And all the people are saved. You know, it's incredible about this that you don't see in the book of Esther. There's a book called Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was just about 30 years after this happening. 30 years after Esther goes to the king and saves the Jews, this man Nehemiah comes and and petitions that he would be able to go back to their homeland, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. Did a whole series on Nehemiah in 2022 and it's incredible how Nehemiah organizes and the king actually sends them with all kinds of help, sends all of the Jewish people back to their homeland and they rebuild the wall and rebuild their city together. But none of that would have happened had Esther not realized that she was positioned for a purpose. If she hadn't had the boldness to say, I'm gonna call on everybody to fast and pray. We are gonna seek after the face of God and we're gonna see what God will do. I believe God wants to move on our behalf. And 30 years later, it sets them up to go back to their homeland, but it all started with an orphan girl who got put in a position she didn't even know what she was doing, but she trusted God and he came through. Amen? Would you stand? Thank God that our king is a good king, amen? He welcomes his people. He welcomes you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your life looks like right now, God wants you to come to him. And Jesus made a way for us to enter into the presence of God. This is the best part. It says when Jesus died, that the veil was torn. Let me just connect all this back to Jesus. That's my favorite thing to do. It says that the veil was torn. Now there was a temple in Jerusalem and this is long after Esther, long after Nehemiah, long after all this, Jesus dies, the veil is torn. What does that mean? There was the temple in Jerusalem and then in the temple, there was what was called the Holy of Holies. And this is where the literal presence of God, where he chose to to rest his presence. The only person that was allowed in there was the high priest. No one else was allowed in. If you walked in, you were dead. This is how God chose to do that. And why was there this veil? It represented the separation that we had from God. Because of our sin, we were not allowed to enter into the king's presence. Oh, come on now, here we go. Oh, Lord Jesus. And then Jesus dies on the cross 
And then immediately it says, the veil was ripped apart in half. And now it's representing that we now have access into the presence of God, amen? You have access into the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he wants you to come to him and earnestly seek after him and say, God, what are your plans for me and my life in 2024? He says, why don't you come and hang out with me? Let's have dinner. Let's talk about it. Let's commune together. My son, my daughter, I want to talk with you. I want to help you. And you can walk right into the presence of God. They didn't used to be able to do that. But now we have the opportunity. Jesus made a way when there was no way. The veil is torn and we have access into the presence of the most high almighty God. Can somebody say amen? Because I'm so grateful for that. I'm thankful that God wants me to come to him with all my stuff, all my anxieties, all my worries, all my sin. And it says that when you come to Jesus, he will throw away your sin as far as the east is from the west. He will cleanse you white as snow. And he wants you to come to him. That's the best part. He loves you. God loves you. He cares for you. He's a good king. He's not an evil king. He's a good one. Jesus removed this barrier to God. And so today, I just want to pray for you. And I want us to to worship together for a moment. And and in the same way that I believe that Esther was saying, hey, we're going to pray and we're going to fast. I believe they were shouting Jesus in the streets. They didn't even know it yet, right? But like they're shouting the name of God. They're thankful for what God is doing and they're believing that God's gonna move. They're believing God's gonna intervene. And I just want us to worship for a moment with this song. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets. Like we're shouting Jesus for my family. Who are you fasting for? I'm fasting for my kids. I'm fasting for my community. I'm fasting for our church. I'm fasting for you that God would reveal to you his plans for you. We're submitting our plans to the architect today. All right, and that's what I want us to do. So would you just lift your hands for a moment? I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing. Father God, I thank you that you are in this place, that you're moving, that you're speaking, that your presence is here, that we have access to you today, right now. God, we worship you, we lift you up. Come on, let's sing together. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the street. 
Would you bow your heads with me today? I want to pray for each and every one of you in just a moment that we would see God do amazing things over these next three weeks. I believe that God wants to do miracles in your life. That this would be a house of prayer. This would be a house of miracles. I believe that God has direction for us as a church as we go into 2024, but then it starts with you. It starts with your family. And, and I wanna pray for that. But before that, there's some people in here that, man, maybe you came to church today because you're looking to do something different. You've been doing your own plans for, for too long now. And you came to church today, maybe just to say, hey God, I, I gotta try something new. This isn't working. Maybe you came to church today and this is just a normal Sunday for you. You come to church every single Sunday, but, but you know that you need to rededicate your life to God maybe. Maybe you've been far from him and you know that you've been far from him and you know that you need to get right with him today, right here, right now. All you have to do is recognize, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. That we all are in need of Jesus Christ. None of us are perfect. And yet Jesus died on that cross and the veil was torn so that I could now have access to God the Father himself who created everything in this world. And man, let me encourage you. He loves you. He cares for you. He has a plan for you. And he's positioned you for purpose. But all you have to do is say yes. So if that's you on the count of three, I'd just like you to raise your hand and look up at me so that I can see who I'm praying for today. You wanna get your sins out of here and let the spirit of God cleanse you from the inside out, renew your mind and become a new creation. On the count of three, one, two, three, let me see you. I see you right here, right here. Come on guys, wow, all over the place. Just look right up at me. I just wanna see you. Hey, I see you right there. I see you, man, I see you. I see you guys in the back, absolutely. My man, I see you. Yes, ma'am, I see you, I see you. Wow, okay, this is amazing. You guys can put your hands down. That's incredible. Thank you guys so much. Guy, I'm not gonna lie, there's about 20 people that just raised their hand. That is amazing. Can we give it up? Wow. 20 people saying yes to Jesus. 20 people getting right before God, putting him in his proper place, which is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, first in their lives. Oh man, that's good stuff. Let me pray for each and every one of you. Father, for these about 20 people, maybe saying yes to you right now, there might even be more. Father, I pray that you would just take all of their sins, cast them as far as the east is from the west as if they never even happened, Lord. Cleanse them of all unrighteousness. Help them to become more like you. God, they're saying, I'm gonna start my year the right way. And that's in a relationship with Jesus. And that is the best decision that anybody can make today to start their year off with, with prayer, to start the year off with fasting, a, a focused dedication to you. And I pray that you would help them in this journey that they're going on. Help us to support them in this journey that they're going on right now. Thank you, Lord. And Father, for everybody that's in here, right now I ask that it wouldn't be our plans, but it would be yours. We would recognize that, that we have a unique opportunity over the next three weeks to connect with you on a way that is just so different and so much deeper than, than normal. And then if we increase our level of expectation and we say, God, I believe that you want to do something in my life and I need more of your presence. I need your voice. I wanna 
I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I believe that they will be led by the Spirit of God, that they will start to hear your voice in a greater way than they ever have before, that new directions will be given to them, new plans will be drawn up in the name of Jesus for our lives. And we're going to follow after those plans. We're going to take every step in line with the steps that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing it. And so I pray for every person here today. Help us to follow after you. Help them to hear your voice, to connect with you better than they ever have before. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. All God's people set. Amen. Can we give it up for God in this house today? Listen, I'm excited. The next three weeks are going to be good. I encourage you once again, if you don't know how to fast, you've never done this before, radicalchurch.life slash 21 days. There's information there. We got a worship night at the end of the fast. And please, if you're new, drop that connection card off. And we would love to have you sign up for our welcome party that's this next Sunday. God bless you guys. We'll see you then.